Hello, thanks for listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. This is Adam Rosen, your host. I'm a fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement. In these episodes, I'm going to share with you a lot of my tips and tricks and review classic articles and current implant designs. Thanks for tuning in and on with the show. Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen and you're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Today what I would like to talk to you about is how I choose who to operate on, who to offer a total knee replacement to. We're going to talk a lot about patients' detailed history and physical in the preoperative workup and things that may increase a patient's risk of perioperative complications. But today I'm going to talk to you about four main things I look for when I'm in the office with patients. First and foremost, it's x-rays. So many patients we see do show up with an MRI, which was ordered by their primary. As we all know that MRIs are not helpful when we're trying to examine an arthritic knee. The other thing that I commonly see as a mistake made in the community is doctors will order non-weight-bearing x-rays. And these are not helpful because they do not show the alignment issues or the joint space narrowing that we typically see with weight-bearing x-rays. So even if a patient has had x-rays that were non-weight-bearing or an MRI, and understand that many of these patients may complain that they already had those studies done, it's extremely important to get weight-bearing x-rays. And in addition to the regular AP standing x-ray, I always get a Rosenberg view in all of my patients over 50. You'd be surprised how many times patients have some joint space remaining on the AP, and they collapse down to complete bone-on-bone contact on the Rosenberg view. If you only have the one AP view, you may assume that the patient's arthritis is not as severe as it really is. Now, the other important thing when it comes to the x-rays, especially in this day and age with insurance companies, is to truly document what you see on the x-ray. What I've found over the years is that many insurance companies are looking for certain buzzwords. They're looking for bone-on-bone arthritis or osteophytes. You want to show severe arthritis. They're really looking for that adjective, severe. So make sure that when you dictate, you dictate based on what you see and use adjectives to describe the arthritis so that the reader understands what you're looking at. Now, the second thing that I would like to talk to you about are patients' symptoms. I really try to make it a habit not to ask a patient to describe their pain because many patients, if you ask them that question, will say that they don't have pain. Many patients, if you ask them to describe the symptoms, they'll describe achiness, soreness, catching, locking, instability, swelling, lack of motion. And it's really important to understand what these patients are feeling so that you understand what you're trying to fix. We can always address an x-ray. You can look at the x-ray and see that they have arthritis, do a surgery, create a knee replacement, But if you don't know exactly what symptoms the patient's having prior to surgery, it's really hard to know what you're doing to make them better. We've all seen those patients that have the worst of the worst arthritis, and they're sent in because someone ordered an x-ray, and the patient tells you that they have no pain, no symptoms, and they can do everything that they want to do. It's extremely hard to make that person better with an operation. The next thing that I like to ask patients about is to describe to me their quality of life. And specifically, I ask them, what can't they do now because of their knee? 
If somebody says they can't walk far, but the reason they can't walk far is because they have severe pulmonary disease and use supplemental oxygen, then it's really hard to believe that a knee replacement is going to make their lung function better and allow them to walk further. And at the same time, if somebody is extremely active doing triathlons or playing golf two times a day, seven days a week, or what we see commonly in Southern California, surfing every morning, it's really hard to make that person better with a knee replacement. But when you listen to patients and they tell you that they used to enjoy playing golf and now they can only take the cart, or they used to enjoy hiking and they can't walk on uneven terrain or they can't keep up with their spouse due to decreased speed secondary to their knee pain, or even things such as going to Disneyland or Disney World, people will commonly tell me that they couldn't go and had to stay in the hotel because they couldn't keep up with their grandkids for a whole day on that hard surface. These are all things that we can improve with a total knee replacement. Now, the other important thing, which I think is extremely important to ask patients, is to have an understanding of what conservative treatment options they've already tried and failed. Because if they haven't tried any, I believe it's very important to put patients through those steps and paces just so they have an idea of how much better they can feel with simple measures. With everybody, especially if they've stopped exercising or do not exercise at all, or especially if you see significant weakness or quad atrophy, I get all of my patients to start with a home exercise program. This really starts with two simple things that anybody can do. The straight leg race, and I have patients start at home doing something as simple as 10 leg lifts each leg, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then the second week, 20, the third week, 30, and build up from there. I have them try to aim for getting 60 repetitions, which typically take most patients six weeks, occasionally longer. And once they hit 60, I have them start back over at 10 with a shoe, a hiking boot, or a one-pound ankle weight. This exercise alone may not only decrease some of their pain, and some studies have shown a 12-week strengthening program like this can decrease pain 40%, but more importantly, I believe that it creates the habit prior to knee replacement surgery that the patient is going to follow through with an exercise plan, and also it's a form of prehabilitation leading up to their knee replacement. The next thing I'll have patients do is start an exercise program in an aerobic fashion on the opposite days. So if somebody has access to a stationary bike or even a pedal machine, I'll have them start with a five minutes on the bike or pedal machine Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And again, every week, add five minutes. The alternative is a walk. I have patients just walk out the door with a timer and they turn around at two and a half minutes. And again, I find it hard to believe that patients can't walk five minutes if they walked into my office, but it once again creates the habit that you're going to be forced to do an exercise program, and if they can't complete that, those are patients that I'm highly suspicious will be able to follow through with all of the post-operative rehab following a knee replacement. The other thing to talk to patients about, and it can be quite hard, is weight loss when indicated. A lot of patients we see are overweight. I always make it a habit to very cautiously ask them what they've done and have they had trouble losing weight or were they heavier or lighter in the past and did they notice any difference with their knee pain or symptoms. What I find when you talk to a lot of patients openly is that they all admit that they've struggled with their weight for quite some time. Many patients commonly note that they've gone on a diet 
and luckily have lost weight, but once they went back to their old habits, they've gained that weight back. So I really make it an important topic of the discussion to discuss not only goals for weight loss, but I explain the reasons why we have these goals and that by decreasing their weight prior to surgery, not only will it decrease their knee pain now, and if somebody has very mild arthritis, they may find that just losing weight alone will decrease their pain or symptoms. However, if they do have weight that can be lost prior to surgery, I let them know that this may decrease a ton of post-op or perioperative complications that can occur, and that studies have shown that that increased weight may lead to increased risks of infection or wound complication, implant failure, and other potential complications. Once they understand that you're on their side and that this is a team effort, I find that many patients are receptive to trying different things. If you have the ability and opportunity, I strongly recommend creating some handouts that you can give to patients, which may help lead them on the path of how to eat healthy and tips on how to lose weight. The other alternative is to refer them to a metabolic clinic or nutritionist that is more skilled in these matters and can really give the patients a very detailed plan. Now, the next thing I always like to ask is whether or not they've tried any pills or oral medications over the counter. Commonly, you'll hear from people that, oh, I tried Tylenol, it doesn't work for me, or I tried Advil, and it doesn't work for me. But when you ask if patients have tried an appropriate dose on a scheduled basis for three to five days in a row, most patients have not. The analogy that I like to use is nobody would get a prescription for antibiotics to be taken two to three times a day for a week and only take one and then expect for the infection to go away. They would never call the doctor's office and say that antibiotics don't work for them. So when I explain to patients when they have a chronic condition, by taking these pills on a scheduled basis for three to five days, it not only decreases pain and symptoms, but secondarily allows them to do more exercise. So as the medicine's wearing off, they may find that they're a little bit stronger and their symptoms are better. And again, although not a long-term fix, a lot of times these short-term fixes help make gains and also teach the patient what they can do after surgery to help minimize the pain associated with knee replacement. It's always important to also ask about injections and timing to make sure that somebody doesn't have injections close to the date of surgery. And I'm always curious about braces. There are a number of patients that may be candidates for offloader braces, and these once again can offer short-term benefit and may delay the need for total knee replacement, especially in younger individuals where we know that at a younger age, especially in males, the outcomes are not as good as older individuals. Overall, the important things that I'm looking for when I see patients in the office is that one, they have severe arthritis on x-ray. We do know that for patients that have more than two millimeters of joint space remaining on weight-bearing x-rays tend to have less successful outcomes after total knee replacement. The hard discussion with those patients is trying to let them know that you understand that they are in pain and that they've already tried some simple conservative care measures. But I really try to stress with these patients that there may be other things that we can work on to help control the pain because if their pain is more severe than what we see on their x-rays, and this is not the patient that maybe has osteonecrosis that you only see on an MRI, but truly just mild arthritis on x-rays, that they may not see the benefit from knee replacement at this point. And instead of just saying, I won't operate on you, or there's nothing more I can do, I try to create an open patient-doctor relationship 
and I recommend that they come back in three to six months so I can see how they're doing with their exercise plan. We can repeat the x-rays to make sure that they're not progressing rapidly. But I try to avoid rushing into an operation because once they have the surgery, if they're still in pain and it's unsuccessful, there's no going back at that point. Again, number two, the second most important thing that I'm looking for are symptoms. You want to make sure that a patient has symptoms that are significant enough that you can improve those symptoms with an operation. If somebody's symptoms are quite mild, it's really hard to make them better with a knee replacement. The other analogy that I like to use with patients to describe a total knee replacement is that a perfect knee is a 10 on a scale of 0 to 10. This is the knee that we were born with. And a great total knee replacement may be at best be an 8 on that scale of 0 to 10. So if somebody's symptoms are a 7, they're probably not going to be very happy after surgery and three months of rehab to move up one point on that function scale. However, if a patient's pain and function and symptoms have brought them all the way down to a 4, and you can take them from a 4 to an 8 on that same scale, that's 100% improvement. And almost all of those patients are going to be extremely happy. The third thing, which sort of relates to that second thing also, is their quality of life. You want to make sure that there's things that they can't do now because of their knee and that you can improve those things with that surgery. Because if somebody can do everything that they want to do, it's really hard, again, to make that person better. And what's worst is I'll see people for second opinions, which were quite active, but had pain, and now they had a knee replacement, and the outcome was not optimal for them. And they feel that now there's things that they can't do that they were able to do with pain prior to surgery. So you really want to have a good understanding of what someone's expectations are, especially be wary in younger patients, very active individuals, or where the x-rays are not severe bone-on-bone arthritis. And the last thing, which I find is also very important, and again, which some insurance companies are really looking for, is what conservative treatments have been used and did they fail? Because if somebody comes in the door and hasn't tried anything and rushes into an operation, they may not have been ready for that operation at that point, or they may have found that some simple conservative care options would have decreased their pain and symptoms and avoided the need for a knee replacement at this time. So you really want to go through and discuss with patients, and for insurance reasons to get coverage for the surgery, is make sure that you document whether or not they've been to physical therapy or have done a home supervised exercise program, if they were overweight, that they have lost weight, which pills they have used, whether or not they've had any injections, braces, and whether or not they've used any assisted devices, such as a cane or walker. Well, that summarizes pretty much how I approach my patients in the office when I'm trying to decide who to operate on. In the next few episodes, what we're going to talk about is informed consent and realistic expectations about what a knee replacement is so patients truly have a good understanding of what they're getting themselves into. And until next time, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. I'm Adam Rosen. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.